morning, everyone. Let's get started. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Proverbs chapter 2? We're going to be carrying on our series looking at the book of Proverbs. Um, before we get into that, though, let me just share a little bit um, a realization I came to a, a few years ago. And I guess this happens to everyone at certain points in their life. But I had this realization that I was getting older. Um, and sometimes you don't think about it, and suddenly it kind of hit me, and I suddenly thought, I'm getting older, which means my body is slowing down slowly, uh, my metabolism is slowing down. Mel and I were, have had children slightly later in life, and we had a little boy, and he turned out to be extremely energetic. And I came to this sort of place in my life where I think, if I am going to keep going, being a dad of a little boy who likes to run, and I genuinely want to keep going kind of in work and ministry, because I have a job that's an indoor job with no heavy lifting, so it doesn't sort of lend itself to health and well-being in that point of view. I need to do something about this. I need to kind of get out, start getting active, and start doing something. So if I'm going to continue, if I'm not going to get just kind of saggy and slowly larger and larger, I need to be doing something about it. I need to be making some kind of changes to my lifestyle, because then I'll be able to be able to be active with my children and hopefully keep going in a healthy way. So I had to make some changes in my lifestyle. I had to start getting active, getting fit, going out, started doing some running, just trying to be, trying to walk instead of using the car, just trying to do that. I looked at my lifestyle and what I ate, and unfortunately what I ate as a 20-year-old suddenly didn't cut it now. As a 40-year-old, I had to kind of make some adjustments on what I ate and how I kind of took food in. And so hopefully with all that, um, I will be able to keep going for the long haul, being fit, healthy and active, um, God willing, with all those things in my lifestyle. And what we're going to look at today is another one of those if-then situations. If you do something, then something else will happen. If you make these decisions, if you make these choices, if you make these changes, something hopefully should come out of that. So if I make choices with my lifestyle to get fit, get healthy, watch what I eat, get more active, say no to certain things, say yes to some things, hopefully I should reap some rewards of that in a fit, active, healthy lifestyle that you see before you right now. Um, and that's where I'm going. And what we're going to look at in the book of Proverbs in chapter 2 is very much an if and then. And you'll see those words come up in the passage when we read it. Now, what's happened thus far? We've done chapter 1. We did it over three weeks. We've seen the foundation of the book is the fear of the Lord. That actually it all begins with a humble humility before God. That actually recognizing who He is as Lord over all creation, the Holy One, and who we are before Him that we aren't the center of the world. He is, and he's the one we should be looking to, so we need to grasp that first. And through the book of Proverbs, what an offer, if you get that, is understanding on how to do life, the nitty-gritty of life. And we saw in the first part of, kind of um, chapter 1, we saw this call from a father to his son, saying, be ready, son. There's going to be people who are going to come try and pull you out of the way kind of take you off down difficult paths and they're just going to lead to a bad end. If you live a life motivated by greed, it's just going to go wrong, dad says to his son. And we learned from that. And then last week we saw the voice of wisdom, a woman, a woman preacher yelling in the streets saying, take heed of my words because if you don't listen to my words, you're going to end in a place of destruction. And we found out that was kind of Jesus calling to all of us saying, take heed of what I'm saying. Take heed of my words. Come follow me. And then one day you will have a positive life as a result. And we've come to the beginning of chapter 2. So I'm going to read it starting at verse 1. It says, My son, if you receive my words 
and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the parts of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the pervasiveness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. You will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, who forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sits down to death and a path to the departed." None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. All right, beginning of this passage, we return to the father who's addressing his son, Again, highlighting the need for our training of children and training the young, which we've just heard about and all that great stuff going on in with the kids' work. But this is the voice of the father and he's talking to his son. And what we've seen in the previous passage are these warnings and these pleas and the consequences of bad choices. If you reject Jesus one day, he will reject you. If you make bad choices and follow after greed, it's going to end in destruction for you. It's going to come back and bite you eventually. But what we have here actually are the positives the blessings, the rewards of making good choices. If you do this, there's three in the first three verses, ifs. And then there's a couple of thens. If you do this, then. So there's some conditions. But if you do them, you will reap the benefits. If you make these choices, wisdom is saying, you will reap positive rewards from them. And they are, there are four things we're going to look at. It's about knowing God, knowing God, godly character, protections, and blessing in his life are the rewards. But first of all, we have to make a choice. So the choices are verses 1 to 4. What does the father ask the son to do? Well, he says, he says several things. He says you've got to receive, you've got to treasure, you've got to be attentive, and you've got to incline your heart. First of all, you've got to receive. The first time he spoke to his son, back in verse 8, he said, just hear, listen to me. Now it's actually receive. You've got to take this on board. You've got to hold this. You've got to, 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 to grab it with both hands and bring it to yourself. This is important. It's not something that's just a noise in your ears. It's something you've got to take hold of. He then says treasure. The image he's using there is like the, the temple that Solomon would build. Solomon, the author of Proverbs, he built this great big temple. And you had the holy place. And inside there you had the most holy place, the holy of holies. And in there you had the ark of the covenant. Inside that, you had the very words of God. The treasure was right in the center of the temple. The most important thing, the words of God were there. And he said, treasure this stuff. Take it that seriously. Bring it right into your inmost place. Don't let it go. He said, be attentive, which means pay attention. Listen up. Have you ever sat there on screensaver mode? Yeah, I am listening. And everything about you says you're not. You know, he says, be attentive. 
Be listening. Be, be proactive. Be forward-thinking. Then he says incline. Incline your heart, which basically is a, a way of to turn towards something. If you're inclining towards something, you're moving towards something. He's saying incline to my teaching. Go this way. Bend that way. Yield that way. Don't be standoffish. Don't be kind of no arm's length. Come towards it. And he's saying, you see what he says is incline your heart. And when the Bible talks about heart, it doesn't talk about not so much a, a muscle, a pump in the center of your chest. The heart was the image uh, for the, the center of who you are. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your very essence resided in the heart. So when the Bible talks about the heart, that's what he's talking. So he's saying incline your very self. Turn your very self towards this teaching. Grab hold of it with every hand. And he says, and he says call out for it. Raise your voice. What's he talking about there? Prayer. He's talking about prayer. He's saying, actually, go after this in prayer. Talk about it. Raise your voice. Yell. Just like wisdom was calling the street preaching, he's saying, you talk to God about that. We talk to God in prayer. He's saying, come, be active. This requires effort. This is something you're to do, something you're to seek after. The other image that's used in there is about seeking after silver, which at the time I read, silver possibly was more um, worth more than gold because it was rarer at the time. That's why it, didn't, it doesn't use the word gold. It uses the word silver. But the point is, it's seek after something that is precious, a precious metal that is rare. And if you're going to seek after silver, where do you find silver? That's not a trick question. In the ground. You have to dig for it, don't you? You have to do something to get it. It doesn't just appear in the jewelry shop. You have to go after it. You have to dig it. He's saying, so make some effort. Come after me. Do that. And if we read elsewhere, Prophet Jeremiah says this to the people. He says, um, the Lord says to them through the prophet, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And he's basically saying, go after this. Go after this. Make that decision. Make that decision yourself that you're going to incline your heart, your effort, your energy is going to go after wisdom. Go after the words of God. Go after the things of God. This is no place for complacency. There's no place just for sitting down. You have to make a choice. You have to get off. You have to keep going. And we've seen wisdom calling out in the previous section, saying, come on, come to me, make this choice. And the father is again talking to his son, saying, son, make the right choice. Seek after this. Go after this. You've got to, got to do it. Talked about the fun run. Um, I've signed up for the fun run this year, and that's a choice in itself. Harder than you'd think, going onto the computer and you know, paying your money. Why would I pay for this? But anyway, you pay to join up the fun run, but then you have to make a choice to start doing training. And I was with some of the guys yesterday. We are at a brunch. It was great. We are talking about training, but we were stuffing our face with pancakes and cream and stuff like that. It was brilliant. So we had our life group brunch, but the question was, how's the, how's the training going? And we were kind of, mm -hmm. while you're eating, yeah, it's going all right. Let me have another pancake to help that down. But we had to make choices about, actually, we need to get out and do this. If you're going to get around the route, it's a good idea to put a little bit of effort in, a little bit of training. But we have to make, make that choice to do it. It's an active thing. But the great news is, if you make that choice, there are rewards on offer. And this passage outlines four of them for us. The first one, if we look at verse 5, we've got all those ifs. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this. Well, if what? Well, it says then there are consequences. comes up in verse 5 and, and then again in verse 9. There are consequences. The first one is you get to know God. Verse 5, then you will understand what? The fear of the Lord. Which if we go back to verse 7 in chapter 1, that's the whole 
basis of the book. Actually, if you want to understand a book, you've got to know the fear of the Lord. Well, he's just telling you how to know the fear of the Lord there. Seek after it. Make it a choice. Make a decision. The fear of the Lord is, this, is, just, is recognizing who God is, having a reverent awe of him. So it's not fear in terror. It's fear in awe. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's holy. He's other. He's above us. Understanding who God is, understanding who we are in, in kind of reflection of God, all those things. And he's basically saying you will understand that. You will have knowledge of that. You will understand what it means, what justice means, what it means to make wise decisions, what it makes goodly decisions. You'll understand his way if you seek after him. One author I was reading about this said this. He says, allegiance precedes understanding, not the other way around. Allegiance precedes understanding, not the other way around. If you align yourself with God, if you go after God, then you understand then you get it. You don't get all the knowledge and then, then make a decision. It says you have to make the decision to go and then God will teach you. God will speak to you. And it says you're going to find the knowledge of God because the knowledge, it says, for the Lord gives wisdom. He's the one who's the source for it all. He's the one who bestows wisdom. He's the one it all comes from. This knowledge is open to those who seek him. And so if you seek God, you get to know God. You get to understand him. You get to have a relationship with him. You get to kind of have communion with him and have a deep abiding relationship with him. He says, because the Lord stores up wisdom for the upright. Those who seek him will find him if they seek him with all their heart, if they go after him, and God will give wisdom to you. Knowledge of God is what's on offer. Relationship with God is on offer. Relationship with the one who created you, the one who created heaven's earth, the one who made this life work and everything in it. And from his mouth it says, come wisdom. There is words. God's word, we have it here in the Bible. If you seek it, if you go after it, you will get to know God. What an amazing reward. That's the number one thing in our life. We believe real life is what? Having a relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And he's saying, if you seek after God, was that an amen there? Good girl. Look at that. Okay. Where was I? Yes, you'll get to know God. That's a good thing. It says, he stores up wisdom from the uprights, and it says, and there'll be a shield for those who walk in protection. So God's protection has come. We'll look at that more specifically later on because it actually outlines what it looks like. But actually the knowledge of God comes with a, a guarding of God's spirit with us, leading us in good paths, leading us in the way. It's the image of a shield there which stopped arrows and spears hitting you. So you had this shield. He'll guard and protect those there. So there's knowing God is on offer. But then it moves on. What else is on offer? It says in verse 9, Then you will understand righteousness, justice, equity, every good part. Godly character. You will grow in godliness yourself. So knowing God, you make a choice. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to know God. But actually, in return, you become more like God. You grow in character, you grow in goodness, you, you grow in, in knowledge of him and you as a person grow and you become more like him. Because what does it begin with? We realize about having a relationship with Jesus then? Following the model of Jesus, you become more like him. And the image there, it talks about, about a path that is on the way and the, the image there is the tracks for the cart. When they used to, the carts used to go through, they would make tracks in the road and they would get hard and baked and so if your cart got stuck in a track, it's very hard to get out because they're like ruts in the road. And actually it's basically saying actually your character will be put on this path and you'll be in the right path rather than in a wrong path which leads to destruction. So this path will cut its way through and this comes from a regenerate heart. 
When we become Christians, it says we are born again, Jesus says. That's the word he uses in John chapter 3. You are born again, which basically means you've moved from death to life. See that in Ephesians. It's like you were spiritually dead, you become a Christian, you're now spiritually alive. And with that life that you've been given come new tastes, new appetites, new desires. You get to go after God. You grow in character. You bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things come out of you because you've sought after God, because you know God, because you've been born again, and now you have this new life that will give them. It's been prophesied. It was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. It was realized in the New Testament because Jeremiah prophesied that, uh, from the Lord that I will give you a new high. He said, I will take my laws and I will write them on your heart, you will know them. So knowing God leads to a godly character because he's put something on your heart. You will grow. You will become more like him. And then we move on to the next section there. Well, what does that lead to? Well, this is good news getting better. It says we will be protected. You'll be protection. So you've, you get to know God. You go after God. You have a relationship with God. His character grows in you. But then actually he leads you in saves paths. And the two things he's going to lead you away from, one, one author described as easy money and easy sex. That's what he's going to lead you away from because he's going to protect you from evil men and the adulteress, it says there. So who are these evil guys? They've already turned up in chapter one. We've seen them. But they are going to kind of try and take you off down their path. This idea of paths again. They're going to try and put you down the wrong path that will lead to destruction. But he says he will deliver you. He will snatch you away. He will, he will take you from them. He will pull you away from dangerous situations. If you know the Lord, if you're growing in godly character, the seductive speech of man will come to you. They'll speak to you. They'll say things to you. They'll say, come on, let's try this. Everyone else is doing it. No one will know. Of course we'll get away with it. No one's going to get hurt. And so their words will come around, which is in direct contrast to what we just read later in the, early in the chapter where it says we follow the words of the Lord because wisdom comes from his mouth. So they're being contrasted. From God's mouth comes wisdom. From evil men's mouth comes perverted speech trying to take you off, take you off path. And they're kind of contrasted within. He's saying actually following God, knowing God, knowing his character will actually deliver you from those men because you'll know right from wrong. They'll say, let's go over here and do this. And you'll say, no, that's wrong. I know that's wrong. Therefore, I will make my choice and I will go this way. I won't do that. I'll be free from that. I'll be kept out of that. I'll carry on a straight path, a right path. And then what about the adulteress who's coming? Another woman. It says, her words are smooth. She has smooth words. They feel nice. And smooth is nice. Smooth is nice. My boys have got um, little toys and taggies and stuff. They love to just get in their fingers and do this. Why? Because it's smooth. It's nice. Smooth goes down nicely. When you talk about a drink is smooth, goes down nicely. This woman has smooth words and so she feels very nice. And so actually you want to follow her. You want to co go with her. But actually it's saying, actually, I can protect you from that because this woman is just bad news. It says actually she forsakes the companion of her youth, her husband. She forgets the covenant of her God. And her house sinks down to death and her past to the departed. None go to her, come back. That's pretty grim. And they all they regain the past of life. You say, actually, I can protect you from that. I can protect you from making mistakes in sexual temptation, which is so prevalent, so ripe. I can protect you from those things. If you follow me, if you get on with me, I, I will keep you from those things. And one of the um, uh, kind of one of the most prime examples of this is our King Solomon who wrote this book. He actually wrote this. 
And if we read the end of his life, what happened? It's tragic. If you go to 1 Kings 11, 1 to 8, it says Solomon, the wisest man outside Jesus who ever lived, the richest man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, the smartest guy in the world. People came from all over the world to hear from Solomon. He was so smart and so rich and had so much power and influence. He was the man. And it said he married all these women, foreign women, and, and he had 700 wives, 300 con- <laughs> 300 con- tough enough, you know. Three, 700 wives, 300 concubines, and it said they turned his heart from the Lord. And so he knew all this. He wrote it down. He wrote it down, and it says kind of at the end of his life, he forsook the Lord. There's this woman here, it says she forsakes the covenant of her God. And so he was tempted and taken away and, and he ended, kind of his life ended despite such a massive high, kind of in a bit of a failure. God had given him so much and yet he did that. And the interesting thing we take from here, sexual infidelity is actually parallel with spiritual infidelity. Basically he was sexually unfaithful which led to spiritual unfaithfulness to God. Do not underestimate the link between those. Sexual unfaithfulness leads to spiritual unfaithfulness. You can't play with them. Because it says that uh, they come, the none come back, they do not regain the path of life. Effectively, they, they, they for, lead you to forsake God. And so the wisdom, the following of God, growing in godly character, and knowing God actually will protect you and lead you away from those things. And the final one, the final kind of reward is a full life. The blessing of full life in this life and the next. The kind of the father finishes sort of his lecture to the son and he, he, he references it. Verse 21 and 22 apparently were a well-known saying that people would say just to remind themselves, for the upright inhabit the land and those with integrity remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, the treacherous will be rooted out of it. And he's basically saying if you follow this path you will dwell in the land and the land was an image used for the promised land that they lived in. Well, it was promised back to the people of God way back kind of Abraham, way back in Genesis and we fast forward many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and we've had the exodus where the people of God were in slavery to Egypt. God sends Moses, he leads them out of Egypt. They have their issues in the desert for a while, 40 years because of unfaithfulness, rebellion, they finally take the promised land, settle in the promised land. So the land was a place of God's provision, a place of God's blessing, a place of fulfillment of God's promises, a place of peace, kind of a place of prosperity, a place of kind of general goodness. All the goodness of God was image of the land. So he's saying actually if you are upright, if you kind of you walk in my ways, if you know me, you grow in college, you will dwell in the land. You will have peace in your life. You will have prosperity. Now these aren't these aren't kind of cast iron promises. We looked at that when we opened up Proverbs. These are truisms. Okay, the general course of life if you do this. It doesn't mean we're free from kind of troubles and trials. No, but there's a general peace a Christian can have in life, even in the midst of storms that we saw in that image in the worship. Even in the midst of storms, Jesus is there with us. He's saying, actually, if you follow my ways, if you walk in them, I can protect you from evil, protect you from what comes against you, and you can live a full life. You can know my peace, you can know my prosperity, you can know my hope, you can know my blessing, you can know those things if you're not mucking around with other things. And that's what was on offer here. So we've got a massive promise thing, but it begins with an if. If you do these things, then this is what's on offer. Knowledge of God, relationship with God, godly character, protection 
from the evils of this world and things that would try and tempt you away and wreck your faith. And then ultimately the blessings of God in your life as you walk it and live in this world, which to me sounds pretty good, right? But it begins with an if. So let's look at a few points of application for us. Number one, have you made the choice? Have you made the choice? It says at the beginning of verse 1, if you receive my words. Verse 3, if you call out for insight. Verse 4, if you seek it like silver. Have you made the choice? Because there's an if there, and we have to make that choice. Have you made the choice to follow Jesus? Have you made the choice to follow Jesus? And this is applicable to all of us. For you, you might not be a believer here. You might be at church, you know, first time, second time, think, what is all this about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about following him. And I offer you today the opportunity to follow Jesus. Following Jesus means turning from your old way of life. The Bible word there is repentance. It means turning around, going the other way, accepting that you have done wrong before a holy God because he is perfect and none of our standards measure up, even the ones we set ourselves, we fall short of. We failed We've messed up, we've done it wrong, so we turn to Jesus and we seek his forgiveness because he was the perfect man. He was God who came to earth, lived a perfect life, died in our place on the cross, death that we deserved, punishment for our sins, and he rose victorious and offered that life to us. Have you done that? Because that is what's on offer today. And if you haven't, I'd love to chat with you at the end about what that means, what it means to put your faith in Jesus, to return away from your old way of life, to be born again. But what about you if you're a believer here? You might say, yeah, I did that. That was months, years, decades ago. Well, I ask you, have you made the choice today? Today, have you made that choice? Because becoming, being a follower of Jesus is a daily choice. You have to make a decision every single day. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to live out in the good of what he's called me to do? Are you kind of sort of being proactive now or are you living life on autopilot? When you do something enough, it can become habit, which can be a good thing. That can be a good thing in our life. Habits we can have, they're good. But if if we just do stuff out of habit with no habit, with no meaning behind it, it can become just like we're living on autopilot. It's actually not something we're not something engaged with. And actually, we need to make a conscious choice day by day to say, today is the day I'm going to follow Jesus. Today is the day is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my life to God today, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, every day forward. And we have to make that choice daily. We sang a song last week uh, that said um, the chorusy bits are something along the lines of, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And it says, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. And actually, that's what we do daily. We need to make that choice. And for me, I reflect back on my life. I made a choice to follow Jesus when I was at university, where God saved me, turned my life around. I then had to make another choice when I got baptized. And, and that was one of my choices to do that. But actually, I need to make that choice today. I can't live on the path. I need to make it today. When I woke up this morning, I knew what I was preaching on. I thought I'd get ahead of everyone. And I said, Lord, I make a choice today to follow you. So I can use it as an illustration later in the sermon. But I mean that. 
So I'm going to make a choice today to follow you. And we try to build habits into our life to say that we're making daily choices. We do it with the kids every night. We go to bed, we pray with them and say, God, let's be thankful today. Let's, let's recognize what God's done today. Let's pray today for what's happened and pray for you to sleep. So we try and build things into our life and be active and proactive in my choice. A habit I've done for many years is as I'm literally going to sleep and I fall, you know, you kind of, it's dark and you've got that moment before you drift off into exhaustion of, you know, of a life with, with small children. But actually I pray and I say, God, thank you for the day. I'm, you know, thank you for being with me today. I, you know, I praise you today. Everything that's worked out, thank you that you've led me. pray you guard me and I'm, when I sleep. You don't slumber or sleep, I do. But you watch over us. And I've made a kind of point of a choice even at the end of the day. God, I'm going to follow you even as I go to bed at night and wake up for the next day in the morning. First thing, Lord, today I follow you. Today I follow you. So my question is, are you making that choice daily or are you living on autopilot for what you're doing? Because we are called to make a choice day after day. Second thing, how are you doing growing in godly character and knowledge? Knowledge of God and godly character in yourself. Now this is a process. It's not something that comes overnight. It's not something that just happens. I remember we had um, the boys and we uh, Mel did a little, one of those little projects you do with small children where you, you grow crest seeds like in a cup and you draw a face on the cup and it kind of grows hair and it's like it's, they get excited about it. You, know, you all look at me like really. Yeah, you do this with kids, they love it. And they, they grow crests out of the hair which is brilliant. But it doesn't happen. When you put crest seeds on and pour water on and you watch it, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> and they're like, where's the crest gone? Like, well, you've got to wait. And they'd come back every day to look. And they'd sometimes grab it and shake it. And the crest seeds would go, you've got to wait till they germinate and they start. And eventually, after however many days, because you pick something that grows relatively quickly, the, the crest grew up. And suddenly it was very exciting because the little face had hair now. And he wasn't bald anymore. And so, you know, hey, that's exciting. But it's not that overnight, it's not that kind of instant process. It's something that takes time. It's something we have to set ourselves about. It's a task. It's something that we need to, like they said there, we need to seek it. We need to go after it. We need to be active for it. And my question to you is, how are you doing going about that task? How are you doing going about that task? It obviously begins with our Bible reading and our prayer. Actually, are we, are we men and women of the word and of prayer? Because that's where it all starts. We're to seek out and we're going to call God and we acknowledge him from his words, from his mouth. It's said there and we're to talk to him. We challenge you at the beginning of this um, sermon series, how are you going to read the book of Proverbs? He said, why not read one chapter a day? And kind of, you know, maybe make a note of one of them that stood out to you. Are you doing that? It's not too late to start. I started late because I was reading something else. So I'm doing that now. I've got some notes as I'm going through trying to understand Proverbs. Uh, as we're doing it, but are you just doing that? Are you reading Proverbs? I'm trying to understand it, trying to follow along, catching up with some of the sermons you may have missed. Are you sharing that with others? Maybe in this week in life groups, as you meet, share how you're doing with Proverbs, anything you've learned, anything you've seen, anything that God's particularly challenged you on, anything God's particularly spoken to you about. What about prayer? We have our prayer meeting, which is a great place to get a kickstart on that. We prayed on Wednesday night. Our house was packed. It was brilliant. We prayed into a whole bunch of things. We worshipped. It does my soul good to be in those environments. It helps me pray on my own when I know I pray together with people. We do it every week in our, our life groups. Actually, part of it is you pray together. You pray for the church. You pray for one another. You pray for whatever comes up. But we're growing in prayer. What about connecting community life? Are you connected to a life group? 
Because one of the ways that we grow in character and we grow in knowledge of God is we're around other believers. We weren't designed to be alone. The church is made up of people, multiple people. It's not just you on your own. You need to be connected in. And this larger growing environment is good for a Sunday morning, but it's not good for your life in general as a believer because it's too big. It's been informal. You need to be connected into a small group. That's why we have life groups. Are you connected in? Are you being known there? Are you getting along? Are you attending? Another thing you can do is share stories of what God's done. I love to hear stories of what God's done in people's lives because that, that encourages me and builds me up. It reminds me of who God is because I forget. Life comes in and it bashes me. And I, I, but actually hearing, God's done that in your life. God answered that prayer. And it's not always the good things, even hearing the bad stuff. Do you know what? It was really sucky this week. I prayed for all these things. None of them seemed to be answered, but I got through it. And you think, well, that's, that's encouraging in itself that God was with you even in the difficult times, the trials. Are we sharing those stories? Are we sharing the highs and the lows? What about repentance from sin? Big thing is turning away from what God highlights in our lives. The Protestant reformer Martin Luther wrote, all, all Christian life is one of repentance. All our life is turning away from the things that would offend God, that keep coming up, that we keep turning back to Jesus, keep putting our focus on him. We did the Freedom in Christ course recently. Um, as a whole church, we're looking to start another one, maybe September time. That was so helpful for so many people. I personally found that helpful because God highlighted a couple of strongholds, wrong thinking in my life that I had to deal with, a couple of, um, uh, an area of unforgiveness that I had to deal with and work through until I realized I was actually carrying some business towards someone from the past. And actually I thought I, I kind of almost got used to it. And actually no God put his finger in and said you've got to deal with that. So I had to repent of that, turn around. And we had some people around from dinner last night and they basically asked us how we were going. And we were chatting, how we're we doing. And Mel said, since the Freedom in Christ School, it's really cliche, she said, since the Freedom in Christ School, we feel free. <laughs> and you're like, yes, that's what's happened. God has done something in our lives. If there's something in your life you know to get, you need to get dealt with, turn away from it now. Turn away from it. Come back to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Wisdom is calling out to you today to get right with God, whatever it is. You may need to kind of ask someone to help you, to pray with you, to stand with you and do that. You don't have to. But often out the back of it, it's good to ask someone to hold you accountable if it's an area of kind of repeated sin or thought life or someone just come up to you every week and say, hey, how's it going in that area? Have you dealt with that? How is it? How are you? Can I pray for you? Can I stand with you? Anything like that is brilliant. So if you're in that situation, another good reason to be in community so you know people. If you're feeling really dangerous, really dangerous, when you go home, find someone who knows you and loves you. That's important. And maybe a spouse, maybe a close friend and say, what area do I need to grow in godly character? Go on, you tell me what you think, what area. And do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make every effort to grow in it. And I'm going to listen to your words of wisdom and I'm going to keep my mouth shut, and I'm going to listen to what you say, and I'm going to grow in that. Go on, do it. <laughs> You're in here, aren't you? Yeah. Why aren't you out with the kids? You didn't have to hear that. Now you heard that. So why don't we try that if you want to think about growing in godly character. But my question is, assess yourself. Are there things that even God, even as I've been talking, God's been putting his finger on? Don't leave them. Get them dealt with. The last one, protection. And we'll finish with this, Protection. What areas of temptation are you facing? There were two that were called out from the passage. There was kind of the broad history of the evil men and then there was the adulterous. The evil men, now one was male, one was female, but actually for us the genders are actually irrelevant. It's actually the temptation to do evil, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to gossip. 
all those kind of things. That's what the men um, were, were kind of leading you in that way. Are you facing areas like that in your life? The adulterous sexual temptation, again, this is genderless. It doesn't have, it's male or female, even though the image is female there. Is there a person who you know is tempting you, a relationship that is something that you need to deal with? Is it something like pornography or something you're involved in that is leading you away? Because when you fail in those areas, actually you fail spiritually as well and it will lead you down a path to destruction away from God. And as I was reflecting on these things, in terms of protection, in terms of what God we pray, deliver us from the evil one, but actually what's behind that is a choice we have to make. It always comes back to that choice at the beginning. And for us to kind of free ourselves from some of these temptations is to make the right choices. What are we going to do? What choice are you going to make? Well, there might be certain places you're not going to go, certain people you're not going to talk to, certain situations you're not going to get involved in, certain conversations you're not going to be involved in, certain things you're going to cut out of your life. You make the choice to actually confess your sin to God. That's a choice. You make a choice about who you're going to talk to and say, actually, hey, you're my friend. I know you love me. I know you for me. This is going on in my life. I need someone to stand with me. I need help. I need someone alongside me. And that's we, we gain protection because we've got... We've been born again, we're growing in godly character, and then out of that we make good choices because we know God and we know what he's calling us to do. And so I kind of want to end where we started. What choice are you going to make? What choices do you need to make today out of this? I believe the Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit's been here since before we met. He's active. He's talking to his children, you guys, me. What's God been putting his finger on in your life? What choices do you need to make? Because Proverbs is saying to us today, you've got to make some choices. And the great news is you make the wise choice, you make the good choices. There are wonderful blessings that come with that. Intimacy with God, relationship with God, growing in godly character, which leads to make good and right choices, which leads to what? A land of blessing. That's not always easy. I'm not saying it's easy, I'm not preaching that message, but actually you knowing, knowing your Savior is with you in the storm is what you want. And when it's calm, he's with you, and when it's stormy, he's still with you because you've developed that relationship with you. Do you want to stand? I'm just going to finish. The band come back up, we're going to pray, and I think it might be time for us to do a bit of business with the Lord. Okay, maybe you just want to close your eyes, hold out your hands, and just, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just rest upon us as his people, and say, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here with us. We thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you that your heart towards us is good. Thank you that mercy and grace are available today. Thank you that your blessing is here upon us. You've blessed us with so much. You've caused us to be born again. You've caused us to be righteous before you. You've forgiven us. You've made us right with God, Lord. We have so much to be thankful about it. And I'm going to start by saying, let's make the decision. Today, Lord, we are going to follow you. Today, Lord, we are going to follow you. I have decided today to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. No turning back. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to follow Jesus, Lord. And we we make that decision corporately today, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would just rest on each of our hearts. And if there are other choices we need to make in our lives, 
things to start doing. Maybe there's proactive choices. We need to do that. We need to do that. I need to get on that. I need to talk to someone. I need to grab my Bible and start reading Proverbs. I need to start praying. I need to do something. Even if it's a choice to go to someone and say, God, help me with that. You know, how do I read my Bible? How do I pray? Just help me. Is there a proactive choice? Are there choices, things we need to stop doing? I need to stop doing that. I need to stop going there. I need to stop looking at that. I need to just stop. Stop that relationship. Stop that gossip I'm involved in. Stop that situation at work. Stop going to that place late at night or whatever it is. What are those things? And the good news is whatever your choice is, God has given you grace to fill it. It's not too hard for you. God's grace is available that you will be able to do it because that's how good he is to us. And Holy Spirit of God, I ask you come now, just fill your people. Fill your people afresh, Lord Jesus, and give us grace today to follow you. To follow you, Lord. Спасибо, Лана.